Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Social Leader Podcast. The pursuit of health equity is rooted in over 100 years of data that shows that the morbidity and the mortality rates for poor Americans, and in particular, Americans who are people of color, that their morbidity, morbidity and mortality rates are significantly worse than for those of the white mainstream. Welcome to the seventh episode of The Social Leader, where today I will be talking with my guest, Kiana Thomason, who is the CEO of the Health Forward Foundation. We're going to be talking about innovation. We're going to be talking about health equity. We're going to be talking about healthcare philanthropy and social leadership. Don't go away. This is going to be a critically important conversation today. Well, again, my guest today is Kiana Thomason. Let me tell you a little bit about Kiana because her resume is incredible. She is a native Kansas Cityan, and she currently serves as the CEO of the Health Forward Foundation. The Health Forward Foundation, at her time there, she has already begun to bring uh, wonderful thought leadership, including right when COVID-19 happened, she put out an article on health equity. That is the reason I wanted to get her on the program so quickly today. We're going to get to those topics. But before her time at the Health Forward Foundation as the CEO, she fared, uh, filled various roles, leadership roles, eight-year tenure at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City, including being the vice president of community health. She also spent eight years at Swope Health Services in Kansas City. And finally, she had the role as director of clinical operations, behavioral health and program manager for the Kansas City Mental Health Court. It is my honor to welcome to the program Kiana Thomason. Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much. Good morning, Father Justin. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I want to tell everyone who's listening today that today's broadcast is actually being sponsored by Reconciliation Services. You can find out more about RS at rs3101.org. Kiana, as I said, you have an unbelievable resume. And I'd love to know, did I leave anything out? What don't we know about Kiana that we need to know? Well, I think it's important to know that I am born and bred right here in Kansas City. I grew up in the third district uh, in Kansas City. Um, I was a benefactor and a recipient of Kansas City's wonderful safety net system for folks who live in marginalized conditions, uh, as I did when I grew up. And I just count it such a blessing to be able to uh, serve and use uh, my career to be able to give back uh, to a system that blessed me so much. Well, you've done that mightily. And, and to be honest, as a partner, Reconciliation Services is a partner, deep partner with Health Forward Foundation. You guys helped us launch Thelma's Kitchen. You've helped us launch our men's mental health program called the Reveal Program. And you, you all have helped us with everything so many years now. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing that partnership. And I think as we talked about the other day on the phone when we got to have our first long conversation, I'm super excited about where you're wanting to take Health Forward Foundation. Today, I really want to focus in, though, on what this current pandemic has highlighted. Because as you wrote in, in your essay, which was so wonderful that you put that out right at the tip of the spear, 
the, the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the inequities in our healthcare system, in the safety net system that you talked about. And in the Kansas City region in particular, you've talked about the fact that these disparities stem really from pre-existing income equalities, as well as inequalities to access to healthcare. And then you mentioned also occupational segregation. And as the old saying goes, you know, when America catches a cold, people of color catch pneumonia. And that has yeah. never been more easy to see than right now. So I recognize that I'm sure you have a lot of priorities in your new role as CEO at the Health Forward Foundation. But given our situation, what's your top ranking priority during this COVID-19 pandemic? And what do we need to do to address it, Kiana? Sure. So you hit the nail on the head in so many areas. Uh, for Health Forward Foundation, uh, being a public charity uh, deeply steeped uh, in this community, our first priority is to uh, partner with and stabilize uh, and as best we can help recover uh, as quickly as they can our grantees and our partners. Mm -hmm. And so right out the gate, we uh, wanted to make sure that our grant making was responsive uh, that we got advanced payments out the door quickly, that we converted all uh, current grantees to cooperating funds, to use the funds flexibly how you needed it, that uh, we relaxed or uh, decreased uh, reporting requirements, all those types of processes and issues that our partners just don't have time to be thinking about uh, in this pandemic as they serve uh, the uh, people in our community. Um, in addition to that, uh, we are expanding our attention to, uh, as, as well as emergency funding, I should have mentioned that. So a lot of emergency yeah. funding has gone out the door. We reserved up to 3.7 million to, uh, for uh, safety net medical, behavioral health providers, as well as essential services like childcare, food, and all those types of insecurities that people were already struggling with that this pandemic really just exacerbated. Um, but as we uh, pivot from um, response to more focus on resiliency, uh, it will be important that we go upstream and work with our partners, our grantees, our policymakers, and a host, host of stakeholders across this community, public and private, to focus on um, issues even outside of healthcare uh, that impact health and health outcomes, issues like transportation, issues like affordable housing, uh, livable wage. There are a plethora of uh, issues that impact the daily lives of uh, our communities. Uh, and we know that it's on us in partnership with other folks in this community uh, to drive those upstream changes for health equity. Yeah, and by the way, I think that the Health Forward Foundation, as well as really the entire philanthropic community, um, moved with unprecedented speed in the 22 years of nonprofit leadership that I've been a part of. I've never seen a response like that of the Kansas City uh, philanthropic community and Health Forward Foundation. Again, huge partner of Reconciliation Services. And so um, my hat's off to you and to the entire philanthropic community, because without you, I think a lot of us who are on the front lines would absolutely be in the tubes right now. And that would mean that literally, for example, the 5,000 people a year, the Reconciliation Services is, is caring for and walking with 
we wouldn't be here without you. But, you know, what you're bringing about in, in your perspective as you really shift to talk about those root causes and those barriers, it's really highlighting that not only are there structural barriers, but specifically there are socioeconomic structural barriers uh, at every level of our society. So, for example, coronavirus economy, we know yeah. it's going to devastate. The after economy, it's going to it's going to affect people who can least afford it. Fifty three million Americans or about 44 percent of U.S. workers are making a median of ten dollars and twenty two cents an hour or about twenty four thousand dollars a year. You can barely make it on that. And, and as I prepared to talk to you today, it, I had scenarios of our clients playing through my mind, like what would happen if the snowball began? You have a low wage worker who doesn't have paid sick leave. Maybe they're hourly. They don't have benefits. Maybe they miss work due to a family member or a child being ill. Then they lose that crucial income. That can be the difference between making rent or not. Maybe they become homeless. You run the risk of letting being let go from your job and, and just it snowballs and snowballs. And it's one thing in one moment yeah. that can make that happen. So here's the question that I have for you. How do you plan as an innovative leader who gets these things innately to lead the Health Forward Foundation to address these structural socioeconomic uh, barriers and health equity e issues in our regions. What are you going to do to pivot or, or what things are you exploring right now? Sure. Well, I think it's first, it's important as leaders and as organizations that we really take the time to ground ourselves in how we got here. And not to the point that we're fixating on the problem, but it's important to have a healthy appreciation for the problem to understand how to fix it. So from my vantage point, and many others share it, um, inequities, not just in health, but in life, uh, are typically the result of two things in this country, and that's structural racism and systemic racism, as well as income inequality and the wealth gap. Uh, that we struggle with as a country. And so with those root cause factors in mind, I think uh, we must as leaders and as organizations focus um, our uh, strategies and our tactics around being just as intentional at building equity in to our systems and our structures, because there was a great deal of intentionality to build inequity in. That's right, that's right. And so we have to apply the same level of resolve uh, when we consider uh, the different systems that influence that. And for us, we know that um, healthcare is largely influenced uh, by socioeconomic and environmental factors, as you pointed out. So 80% of our health outcomes are driven by the social determinants of health. I prefer to say the social influencers of health because mm. people are resilient. Uh, and they can transcend uh, their environment and their, and their circumstances. And so those influencers uh, are 40% behavioral, 30% socioeconomic, your education, your income, all those di different types of factors, as well as about 10% environment, violence, uh, nutritional deserts in your community that contribute to obesity uh, and poor food intake, uh, and all the chronic conditions that we know um, really were the underlying uh, issues around COVID-19 and contributed uh, to our overrepresentation as people of color 
in confirmed cases as well as mortality. So when we think about that very broad space of the social determinants of health uh, and economic inclusion uh, and all the things that contribute to it, we have to ask ourselves, what is our unique position uh, to engage in community in this space? Where can we be most impactful? So as a team, we began having those conversations prior to this crisis. Hmm. And uh, the uh, perverse gift of, of the crisis was that it really underscored for our team, uh, Health Forward Foundation, uh, that it was time for us to commit more than ever uh, to really digging in and applying uh, that uh, lens that thinks outside the box of healthcare and considers those social, environmental, and economic factors that drive our health. So we'll be spending a lot of time uh, the rest of this year into next year with our partners, with our board, with our community advisory council, uh, talking through what's our unique differentiator to play in this space and where can we uh, be most impactful. Yeah, I, you know, in the business journal, you were quoted when you were first made CEO saying that the vision of healthy people and healthy communities is going to remain intact under your leadership of the Health Forward Foundation, but that the methods and the initiatives will likely evolve over time. So, you know, this whole area that you're in, this space of health equity and a health equity lens in grant making and in partnering, this is a rapidly evolving and very ripe space for innovation. Um, I'd love to know what are some of your early ideas or some of the things that you're imagining that you can do in health philanthropy in order to lift up voices that aren't being heard or to foster real innovation in approaches uh, particularly in our region. This is a cutting edge space. What are you thinking? Well, there's three uh, spaces, if you will, that we see as our core competencies at Health Forward, and that's leadership, advocacy, and resources. Mm -hmm. So we continue to cultivate leaders and have for the past uh, 10 years in our Healthy Communities Leadership Academy uh, that's produced over 100 um, champions for health equity, uh, and those who promote a culture of health in this community. We're thinking about how to position uh, Kansas City's uh, players uh, as leaders in, in our equity journey together in community. What's our role in cultivating equity champions uh, beyond the Healthy Communities Leadership Academy? From an advocacy perspective, the lowest hanging fruit that I share with you is around Medicaid expansion. We got to pass it. It's, it's the no-brainer. Uh, right thing to do, smart thing to do uh, with respect to recovery for both Missouri and Kansas from a health and an economic standpoint. But there are other factors outside of Medicaid expansion uh, that are in the policy realm that need philanthropy's action uh, and advocacy. And so uh, looking at uh, that, we are paying a lot of attention to our wonderful uh, City of Kansas City Council, who uh, last year approved uh, a resolution to apply a racial equity lens mm -hmm. uh, to its decision-making and policy-making. I was so inspired and impressed with that. And I even mentioned uh, to Mayor Lucas just yesterday, we wanna play a role in that. There's a role for philanthropy to play in that space. You're uh, talking about the I, resolution that was put forward by Melissa Robinson in correct. the third district. Yeah, we were yes. we were really honored to get to work on that. And and Reconciliation Services contribution with her was really to put a focus around mental health and race and health equity. And so a couple of the places in there. But 
you're right. I mean, that's a very important document. Let me let me push you a little bit further, though, because, you know, we talked a little bit in an earlier conversation about program related investments. And there is actually a lot of possibility that that health philanthropists can um, can bring about and, and the traditional kind of grant making modalities are still going to be needed. You know, apply for a grant, get a grant, report on a grant, apply again. But I wonder what's the role of tech right now? What's the role of social entrepreneurship right now? And how can Health Forward Foundation, which is arguably one of the most influential and best endowed health focused uh, philanthropists, um, how can you guys play a role or how are you thinking about you might play a role, whether it's PRIs or some other modality? What are you thinking in that tech space or innovation space? Yeah. So traditionally, uh, grant makers, uh, especially grant makers in health, uh, have a, a very kind of orthodox historical method of uh, being uh, responsive to grants that come in. And we provide funding for different types of programs and initiatives in community. Mm-hmm. Um, but in wanting and needing to go upstream to address address inequities that are more structural, um, you can't grant make your way uh, to resolve those inequities. And so as you point out, uh, we are talking as a team uh, and have uh, begun early conversations with our uh, board, our finance and investment committee uh, about the notion of social impact investing in community. Mm-hmm. We're not ready to share any commitments in that space, but we're learning about it. Yeah, we uh, want to hear more. We want you to share, but I know, yeah. I know you got to wait. Yeah, it's new territory for Health Forward. It's new territory for much of health philanthropy. Uh, What we know today, though, uh, is that it will take social impact investments in our community and in partnership with public and private organizations. We can't do it alone. um, That uh, can uh, pull our dollars to create sizable uh, longitudinal impact uh, in and for this city. So those are some of the things and concepts that we are beginning to explore uh, as a team, as a board. That's a fantastic answer. And, we, you know, at Reconciliation Services, obviously we have Thelma's Kitchen, which is a social venture, donate what you can restaurant. We're working on a number of other social venture um, ideas and innovation. So definitely um, I'm waiting with bated breath to see what the board approves and would love to support you in that. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm, go back, though, really quickly uh, so that we don't uh, uh, miss the opportunity to help people understand what applying a racial equity lens to policy does. Absolutely. People, most people get that there is a health implication to transportation, a health implication to food and food procurement and food policy. There's a health implication to affordable housing. When a racial equity lens, which is really kind of like the bookends of inequity in our society, when that's applied to policy, it raises all boats, including health and health equity. And so we want to partner uh, with the community and with our city council, uh, led by Melissa Robinson, of course, and, and Mary Lucas, uh, to really support that initiative, uh, as well as focus a lot on data. Uh, as we were active in this space with letters to our governors uh, in Missouri and Kansas around the need uh, to collect uh, data around race and ethnicity, not just for COVID. Let's use COVID as a jumping off point uh, to solve some of these data and data challenges that we have so that we can understand where we are, track where we need to go and use data to reconstruct narratives. 
Yeah, I appreciate you bringing us back to the root again. There isn't enough data out there. There isn't enough work being done. And, and I think people look at these initiatives when they hear about a health equity lens or a racial equity lens. I think, to just be honest about it, a lot of people's minds just kind of go, they turn off. Yeah. But the reality is, and I, I like to bring it back to this, and this is where this is where the social entrepreneurship angle, I think, does come back in. When you start talking about the fact, and you hinted at this, that racial equity and initiatives around diversity, equity, and inclusion, they are a superior growth model economically for yeah. the region. Yeah. And when people begin to get that idea in their head, they go, oh, okay, well, not only do I feel good about it morally, maybe, I, maybe I've learned enough about it that I understand why it's needed, but now I'm going to see it hit the pocketbook, not only of my company, but of the entire region, and yeah. we're all going to be able to do more together. D do you see a direct correlation the same way between the socioeconomic plight of those who are excluded or, or have minimal access and the racial equity lens? Can you, can you tie those two together directly for us? Yeah, absolutely. When you look at um, uh, history, it teaches us that laws were used uh, to be weapons uh, against people of color to lock them outside of opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at our GI Bill in terms of education and home ownership, uh, when you look at redlining uh, in communities, when you look that resulted in underinvestment and disinvestment in communities that resulted in food deserts and in play deserts. So all of these types of uh, policies shape our daily lives that contribute to the social and economic conditions uh, for all people, but particularly people of color um, who these laws were constructed uh, to lock out from opportunity. So we have to be all that more intentional when we think about creating laws and policies, even organizational policies to lock equity in uh, so that all are included and have a fair and just opportunity to thrive. I could not have said it better. And I, I'm so thankful for you breaking it down and breaking it down so that somebody who's listening right now live or listening to the podcast later who maybe hasn't done so much reading about the racial equity lens and the health equity lens that can maybe understand a little bit more about what you're saying. Okay, well, Kiana, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to go and uh, talk about our sponsor, Thelma's Kitchen. When we come back, I want to dive in and get a little bit personal. So don't go away. We'll be right back with you. Everybody, I want to tell you that um, the Social Leader podcast is sponsored by Thelma's Kitchen, which is Kansas City's first Donate What You Can restaurant. You can go to thelmaskitchen.org. Once again, that's thelmaskitchen.org. You can find out more right now. Of course, the restaurant is closed. We're at the corner of 31st and Truce. Normally, we're open for lunch from 11 to 2, but because of COVID-19 and while we're making preparations to open, we're still closed right now. However, we're giving away food, literally 300, 350 meals every single day, Monday through Friday. And I'll tell you, there's a note of urgency right now. So again, thank you for your sponsorship. Those of you who have donated a meal at thelmaskitchen.org or who have sent in a gift or sent in a plates or, you know, any kind of utensils, things that we need to make this happen during these, uh, un, you know, extraordinary times. We're so grateful. You can find out more about the work of Thelma's Kitchen as well as Reconciliation Services on our website. Okay, want to jump back in and talk a little bit more with Kiana. 
Kiana, uh, I want to I want to switch a little bit and get personal if you can. I want to dive in because you I know were born. You've said at Truman Medical Center. You grew up in Kansas City, and even at the beginning of the podcast, you said that you were an uninsured child and that you were a recipient of the social services safety net here in Kansas City. And then from there, you went on and you've led divisions and and now as the CEO of Health Forward Foundation, leading whole movements in this area around health equity. Is there a memory for you, something personal in your life or in your work life that really drove home for you these structural and environmental barriers that make up the inequity to health access? Yeah, there are probably too many to mention, uh, Father Mm -hmm. Justin. I I just say that my overall experience of uh, being raised uh, by a single mother, uh, having uh, three brothers, um, she struggled to put food on the table, relied very heavily on our grandparents uh, to stabilize us as well as an extended village oftentimes to support us uh, just for some basic needs until she was able to get on her feet uh, and with the help of the village, uh, pull herself up uh, and go on to lead companies as well. I'm not the first leader in my in my family. Mm. I need to say that we have a multi-generational leadership. Um, and so even despite those circumstances of being uh, born uh, uninsured, Uh, receiving services from the safety net uh, that was such a nurturing community to me uh, and my brothers, by the way, I should say, loved the village that we had at Swope Health. Uh, That was uh, very endearing, which I counted a blessing to return there to lead as a mid-careerist. But all those factors of watching her struggle, watching her stand in line uh, for uh, welfare checks and cheese and just basic services really cements in your mind the importance um, of um, resilience uh, and the importance of um, looking at the assets that individuals and communities possess, assets of fortitude assets of determination, um, assets of um, commitment despite uh, adversity. So when I think about those um, factors that were passed down to me um, um, from an asset perspective, it fuels me and fueled me to be able to uh, rise above those circumstances and to use the privilege uh, that I now carry um, as being an educated African-American leader um, who's committed to social justice, committed to equity, committed to uplift from the communities that I serve uh, and from, as well as broader communities. So it's really just fueled me in general um, for a resolve for equity uh, and for social justice. And I've been uh, very blessed to use my career to be able to do that. Which you've done mightily. And I want to invite anybody who's listening to the broadcast right now live on Facebook or any of the other social channels, YouTube, uh, to make a comment. And if you've got an experience that's like Kiana's, or if you have something that you'd like to share, make that comment. And if I can, I'll try to bring that in on the show as well as we as we roll forward. Um, Kiana, one of the things that you brought out was this idea of an asset-based community development approach rather than a deficit-based community development approach. And we like to reinvent Reconciliation Services logo, RS, as actually standing for Reveal Strength. 
and kind of realizing that the neighborhoods that we live in, although they may not have the same kind of green currency that some neighborhoods have, they have assets in them that are priceless and that it, right. it's actually not enough to look at return on investment. What we really have to be looking at also is return on relationship. And yeah. where does that currency play a part? And, and as you think about that from a healthy community standpoint, from, from a grant-making standpoint, how do you encourage that? I mean, that's a neighborhood organic thing that takes place. But is there something that you all can do at Health Forward Foundation to nurture that kind of return on relationship in Kansas City and in the region? Yeah, and that's one of the things that impresses me most about my colleagues at Health Forward uh, is that they have their fingers on the pulse of what is happening in communities at the neighborhood level. And I love that about my team. Hmm. Uh, they translate those needs into what's happening at the neighborhood level uh, with grassroots organizations and sometimes through grassroots organizations does our insight and our information come. And then they show up at the table to advocate uh, for these communities and for these neighborhoods um, uh, from a grant making perspective. And so having um, a, a very deep and connected relationship with community Oh my goodness, it can't be overstated. And so our team um, knows our community uh, very, very well, spend a lot of time with organizations like yourself, Reconciliation Services and various leaders and, and uh, workers. And I think um, understanding the uniqueness of the characteristics of the organization positions them as the best advocates for them, even beyond grant making, but also from a policy perspective, as well as connecting them and con uh, with other opportunities uh, in community. You know, when you took over as CEO recently of the Health Forward Foundation, uh, in one interview that I read with you, you said that you want to always lead with purpose and with impact. So I'd love to learn from you and I'd love for you to share with our audience on the podcast right now, what personal leadership practices help you sharpen your purpose and your impact as an innovator in health equity and philanthropy? I think personally, it's critical that we know what's our personal why. Mm. Uh, and we're not always clear on that in every season of our career. Uh, but for me, my personal why, at least, at least in this season, is to improve the lives of folk living in marginalized uh, conditions. Uh, and note that I did not say marginalized people. I hate that. Right. I do too marginalized conditions. Yeah, that's that strength-based approach that you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. yeah. People are resilient. Communities are resilient. Uh, and so that is my personal purpose. And so uh, when and where possible throughout my career, I've done my best to align uh, my personal purpose and value system uh, with the organization. And if alignment wasn't there, I created it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, for example, uh, with my great friends at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City, I went to Blue Cross uh, as a social worker coming from the nonprofit realm who was a little bit intimidated to go over to the corporate side. Sure. Uh, I was also energized by the fact that I had done policy in the U.S. Senate. I had done care delivery in the safety net system. I hadn't learned payment and I knew that that was key to healthcare. but I wanted to also introduce 
healthcare payment uh, to the social side uh, of healthcare that I knew um, was a significant influencer on health outcomes. So it took me about six and a half, seven years to do that, uh, but was able to leverage the social capital that I built within Blue KC to help them uh, also realize the business value, as you pointed out earlier, sometimes it's not just the moral imperative, it's the right. business imperative. And when you can merge both, it's wonderful. Uh, so was able to uh, champion uh, the inclusion of the social determinants of health and health equity into uh, that corporate strategy. So I just use that as an example. Uh, we won't always have the luxury of finding uh, an opportunity, career opportunity that aligns with our passion and with our purpose. But use your capital, your social capital, uh, your own assets to create that value and find those win-wins. Yeah, I love to talk about moving away from charitable intentions to integrated priorities, because that to me, that's really what you're talking about, sort of getting beyond the charity bucket and saying like, well, in my excess time, in my excess, uh, you know, bank account, what's left over, I'll give. But what you seem to be talking about is like, really finding that missional alignment, really working, doing the self work that it takes to uh, integrate your priorities, particularly in the social sphere, in order to, to do social good from whatever company that you're in. Well, I always end every uh, podcast with a question uh, similar to this, and, and I hope you'll be able to take us home with some, some really strong words of wisdom and some practical lessons that we can apply. But what do the leaders who are listening need to do in order to step up their social impact and become social leaders? Yeah, I think a self-assessment of your personal value system is always a great starting place. Uh, it, it should be our compass. Um, and uh, identify uh, a way to marry that to the social change uh, and the leadership and the championship that this point in time in our country calls for. Uh, and, and then look about and see how you're positioned within your career, within your company, how your company is uniquely positioned to make a change and to be a part of change, uh, whether it be in the health and human services sector, in the policy sector, government, wherever it is, um, you have influence. Uh, and I encourage folks to use their influence uh, for good and to do that with equity uh, being centered in mind for all folk. Thank you so much, Kiana, for uh, spending some time with us, for just being such a wonderful Kansas City social leader, for typifying the kind of social leadership that this podcast is trying to highlight and the amazing work of the Health Forward Foundation. Uh, I hope we get to visit with you again yeah. sometime very soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, Father Justin. Thanks for the Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Hang tight with me for just a second while we wrap up. I wanted to tell you again that uh, this podcast, The Social Leader, is sponsored by Reconciliation Services and in particular, Thelma's Kitchen. And we've got something new and exciting that is coming up, and it's called The Social Leader. The Social Leader is a brand new experiential leadership development program that will be launching in the fall of 2020, as soon as the world opens up again. And it will be an awesome opportunity to really go deeper. And if you're interested in accelerating your social impact from the company that you're in now, or if you're interested in differentiating yourself as a potential candidate for a job, because we all know there's a couple hundred million people that are going to be applying for jobs in the next couple of months, 
else, this is an awesome opportunity. So go to thesocialleader.org, go down to the bottom of the page, answer a few questions, and one of our team will reach out to you to talk to you more about The Social Leader, which is coming up very soon. So once again, thank you so much for joining me on The Social Leader, Episode 7. I hope you had a chance to learn something about health health equity, and how we're going to move forward as a region with a health equity and a racial equity lens to do more social good together. Until next time.